Good to see everybody. I know we had been out of town and it was a great wedding and but we're glad to be back. So had a had a great time away. So um, the title of this teaching is going to be called Amazing Faith. And so um, before I read from Luke chapter 7, because that's where we're going to be reading, I want to provide kind of a history on the centurion. And so basically who he was and what he's about. And so as we know, the uh, centurions are mainly of Roman descent. Uh, they were actually working officers. They were the backbone of the army. They were skilled and they were Roman citizens trained and it consisted of men only. And so most of the centurions have been in the military for at least 20 years and they had earned the position of leading troops into battle and wartime doing hand-to-hand -hand combat and so they were always on the front line so they, they were very skilled and each centurion had about 100 soldiers in his regiment and so because of their duty and because of their commitment many did not marry until after they came out because they were totally completely devoted to fighting and doing the things that they were doing uh, as, as far as the uh, rulers instructed them. And so that's what they were doing. But their pay, uh, okay, so the common soldier ended up getting 200 and 300, and they, I had to look up how to pronounce it. It's denarii, okay? And so the senior centurions received 10,000 denarii, and the senior citizens, senior centurions received, um, the chief received 20. So we go from 200 to 300 for soldiers, 10,000 for the centurion that are the leaders, but the chief and chief centurion received 20,000. So they were wealthy. They had means, they had money. And so they worked hard to get to their position and they earned respect of the people over them, and they earned the respect of the people under them as well. And they often used their own resources, their own money, to help people within the community. And so that was part of that respect that they got from the community because they used their own resources to help them in public service. And so we know too that uh, to disobey uh, a centurion or if they disobeyed their leader it would be automatic execution and so they would also beat the Jewish people and the slaves and things like that so they did have power they held much authority but they were also feared and sometimes hated by the Jewish people because they did use them as slaves and they lorded over them and so we're going to learn about the centurion and I found out that it's in Matthew chapter 8 verse 5 through 13 and it's also in Luke 7 okay there's two different discrepancies so in Matthew it says he indicates that when Jesus had entered Capernaum a centurion came to him pleading with him on the other hand we see the story in Luke that said the centurion sent elders so why the contradiction? Because I'm like, I always thought this happened. Well, that's because I read Matthew. Well, when I read Luke, 
it's totally a different perspective. And so, of course, I had to do some digging to say, okay, because I'm the type of person, I want to know the entire story. I want to know, well, why did Matthew leave something out and Luke gave more details? And then why did Luke didn't mention what Matthew mentioned? So there was a little bit of discrepancies, even though it's the same story and it was true. And so um, <coughs> I looked it up, and, it's, and it, it looks like this has puzzled theologians for centuries on why one would write this one way and the other would write this the other way. So you get into studying, and there is a lot of commentaries, a lot of different people's opinions. And so I am going to try and harmonize both of these stories together by the two different authors, okay? Because we know in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that the words of Scripture are God-breathed, and it's inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training. And so God gave Matthew the words that he wanted him to write, and God gave Luke the words he wanted them to write. And so when I got into this, I kept thinking, okay, from, from uh, Luke's perspective, so let's say the President of the United States sends two representatives to your house, and you receive this letter, and it says, hey, you open it up, the President wants to have dinner with us. And so you're, you're going around and telling people, you're like, hey, guess what? The President invited me to the White House for dinner. Well, did the president, because you received the letter from someone who represented the president, so he really didn't come and ask you to go to dinner, but the representative said you have been invited to go to dinner. And so see how there's two different perspectives. The other thing uh, that I was reading about was Joseph and how it said with um, Moses wrote about Joseph, how he commanded all of Egypt. He was in charge of counting all the grain. He was in charge of counting all the money. And they said that he gathered so much grain, as many as the sand, until he finally stopped counting. It says Joseph gathered the money. Joseph fed the Egyptians in exchange for all their livestock. We know that Joseph personally did not do all that. <laughs> he probably had servants under him that counted all that. Joseph had other things to do. There's no way humanly possible he could do that. But in the Bible, it said that Joseph... This. So again, it's a representation, his authority. And so I think that is where the difference is, is within the scripture. So even though it's saying this person, there was a representation. So we're going to keep digging more into that. So Luke 7, let's start. It says, after he had finished all of his sayings and hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. And when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and to heal his servant. So Jesus was entering Capernaum. Everywhere Jesus went, the word was getting out. He, he was feeding the 4,000. He was feeding the 5,000. So many crowds were following him. Uh, he was performing so many miracles. Everybody that was sick and brought to him were healed. He did many miracles, casting out demons. And so the centurion obviously heard about this Jesus. And so the important thing is, is even though he wasn't Jewish, 
he heard about Jesus and everything that he heard, he believed was true. And so we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's in Romans 10, 17. So we know the servant was obviously very valued, highly regarded by the centurion because he didn't ask for healing on him for himself, but it was on behalf of his servant. So he was very compassionate and loved this servant of his. And so he was, it says um, in the Greek, the word was intimos. And so that means more honorable or precious. So um, we don't know if many scholars believe this was a young person, someone that he felt was a son to him. And so that's why he was so valued by him. And so, but again, we don't know, but in that context with everything else within the Greek, they usually refer to them as a, a young person, a young son. So either he was just valued, he was loved, he was honored by him. And so when Jesus had entered Capernaum, the centurion, of course, approached the elders and he asked them to go on his behalf and to ask Jesus to come and heal his servant. So let's think about the Romans because we know that Romans despise the Jews, okay? And another thing, most of the Jewish elders, they didn't even like Jesus. So there's a lot of social stuff going on here that was really out of the norm to happen, but yet it is happening right here before our eyes through the scripture because the elders were always criticizing Jesus. They were always trying to trip him up. Uh, many did not even believe he was the Messiah. And yet, the centurion tells them to go, and they go willingly on his behalf. So there's a lot of, lot of things here. So let's read on verse 4. It says, And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. So when the elders reached Jesus, look at their response. They're pleading on behalf of the centurion, which the centurion didn't tell him probably to, to plead for me, but they felt the need to plead to Jesus on the centurion's behalf, saying he is worthy, he's deserving for you to do this for him. And remember when we last talked about um, the Canaanite, you know, he, he said, I first, my mission is first to the Jews. You know, and so we know what his mission was. And so the word, know, the word got out, and they know that that was the mission. So for Jesus to even step out of the boundaries of Israel was very rare, and he only did it on a few occasions. And so, um, so Jesus honored his request, even though they were trying to tell him, yes, you know, he's, he's a Roman soldier, but please do this for him. He loves our nation. So everything he's saying, they're trying to convince him. He loves our nation. He built our synagogues. You know, please come do this. They also didn't want to fail in their mission. <laughs> because if a centurion tells you to do something, you want to carry out that mission. You don't want to come back and say, oh, sorry, I didn't do it. He won't come. You know, what's going to happen to them? And so they were very... Um, you know, 
pleading and really desiring Jesus to do this, even if he was persuaded not to come. They felt like they had to persuade Jesus to come. So verse 6, Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him. Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. So both Luke 7, 9 and Matthew 8, 10, they use the Greek word thaumadzo which means marveled or amazed. It's the only two times that that word is used, and it's used in this scripture here. And it's to describe Jesus' response to the centurion's faith. So we know the first thing the centurion did was to send the Jewish elders. He knew who Jesus was. He believed in this Jesus. He believed that he could do miracles, but he's all of a sudden feeling, I'm unworthy to have Jesus come to my house. So he sends another, you know, representative in his place. Like, don't just, just tell him not to come. I don't feel worthy to have him come under my roof. And so he sends them. And if we, all, if we look in Matthew in the story, because it looks like the centurion was there. Well, in Luke, at the very end, there's a Greek word that says he turned him about. So, was the centurion there? According to Matthew, he was there in person. According to this story, it's like he kept sending representatives on his behalf. And so, maybe at one point, maybe he stood from afar as he was getting close. Maybe the centurion was outside. We're going to leave it up to you guys because, again, these are the theologians. It's like, was he there? Was he not there? You know, you know, and I'm thinking, man, if he wasn't there, what greater faith was that? You know, he didn't have to even be there. <clears throat> but I'm going to leave that up to you guys and all the theologians to figure out what truly happened. <clears throat> so he said, for I, too, am a man under authority. The centurion understood Jesus. He understood the power and the authority that he held because he said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. He's like, Jesus, don't even come. Just speak where you're at. I know it will be, do will be done. If you look throughout the whole scriptures, when people were presented before Jesus, a lot of them wanted Jesus to lay hands on them. Uh, we know that the uh, woman with the issue of blood, she's like, I don't, I'm just going to sneak in here because I'm not worthy. I'm unclean. I'm not really not supposed to be around this crowd. And so she like just grabs the hem of his garment. And so a lot of people 
was like, okay. And then we learn about Peter. And then the shadow was causing. So everybody's faith here, there was a lot of things happening. So her faith was like, I can't touch the hem. His faith is like, just say the word. <laughs> That's where I want to be. So when he said, he, when he said I'm not worthy, just say a command. I, I was thinking of my car. Sometimes when you hit the button in your car, it'll say, say a command, <laughs> say a command. And so he, it's like he said, just say a command. And when we voice that in our car, then it does it. Okay, and that's where the centurion was. Just, just say the, the command, Jesus, and I know it's going to be done. Authority means the right to command orders. It's the right to enforce obedience and the right to act officially. So we know Jesus has authority over sickness and the devil. And so he has the power to command sickness to leave and for the devil to obey. He acts as the official capacity as the son of God because that's who he is. John 14, 8. I love this story because it kind of refreshed my memory. But uh, Philip was asking Jesus, this is when, um, um, let's see. So, so he said, show us the Father. Then we're, we will be satisfied. And Jesus says, how long have I been with you? And yet you do not know me, Philip? Philip's been with Jesus. He's seen him do all, doing all these miracles. And yet still... He doesn't recognize. And so he says, uh, nor do you recognize clearly who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not say on my own initiative or authority, but the Father abiding continually in me. He does his works. He's attesting miracles and acts of power. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe me because the very works themselves, which you've witnessed, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me will also do the works and the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name as a represent, re representative. This I will do so that the Father may be glorified and, the, and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name as my representative, I will do it. Matthew 7, 28, 29, it says that Jesus taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Matthew 9 lists all the miracles that Jesus did. The two blind men had called out and said, Have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And then Jesus touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. The manifestation of receiving their healing 
was really up to them because he asked them, do you believe that I can do this? And I know there's stories that I've heard that people, when they come up to the line, they ask them, do you believe? That's a good question to ask them. So if they're coming up for healing, say, do you believe that Jesus can do this for you? Some of them have blanks on their face. They're like, well, I hope he does. They need to believe that he can do that. And then the faith gets activated in their life. Um, oh, the story when Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to the disciples. He, um, not all the disciples were there. And of course, they're like, Thomas wasn't there. And Tom, they're like, hey, Thomas, we saw Jesus. And he's like, in the, this verse, he says, if, he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And I love it because the second time when Jesus appeared before Thomas, Jesus already knew what he said. <laughs> you know, he already knew what was in his heart. And so immediately he addressed Thomas and he said, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. So Jesus told them, because you've seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's in John chapter 20. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, we need to tune in to his frequency. We need to listen to what God is saying to us because his word is alive. It's active. It's, it's powerful in us. And I know if we're on long trips and stuff, because this always happens when I'm on my way to Bloomington, I listen to 107.9. Well, when I start reaching Bloomington, it starts bleeding out. I start losing this frequency and there's other stations that try to come and override that because it's like where the direction that I'm heading and we will sometimes do that and so it was like it was a visual picture to me and it says we tend to get interference from other things that happens in our life whatever direction that we're going with God sometimes we'll veer off and all of a sudden the frequency the static Everything becomes louder, and so we're, we veer off from the very thing that God had wanted us to get back in line to the direction that he wants us to go. And so the enemy uses that so many times because no matter what we're going through, his lie, this, this, we, Joyce Meyer, this is the battlefield right here. Okay, it is. It's the battlefield. And, and so he wants... When we're, we're gung-ho and we're hearing the voice of God, then there's times like, oh, I don't even know if I'm hearing the voice of God. I don't know if it's my voice or the devil. I don't know. Okay, so what has happened? What has changed in your life that you knew that you knew this is the voice of God? Now you're questioning. What am I hearing? So what has happened that has made you shift and to go into that kind of thinking? 
We've allowed the enemy's voice, the enemy's lies, everything to be stronger. And we need to get back in there. We need to tune in to the word of God. And we need to believe what he is saying and not the lies of the enemy and having doubt and discouragement come in and affect us. So we have to recognize the source. And we have, I know we've all talked about that so many times. We've got to recognize the source. Even with counseling, we're like, you know, people say that. It's like, so do you think that was the enemy? Or do you think that was the voice of God? And then, you know, then when it's presented to them, they're like, that was the enemy. Okay. So we need to recognize whose voice, what thought is coming in and say, I'm not listening to that because, first of all, Jesus does not condemn me for anything. So if I've got condemnation coming, I have shame and guilt and all this. That is not coming from God. Okay, so we need to focus on who is speaking and what am I tuned into and who am I going to listen to? Because I tell you what, I don't want anything static coming and bleeding over and overriding the spirit of God and his voice in my life. Amen? So we need to listen and make sure his voice is louder than the voice of the enemy. Our faith is the substance of an intense, positive expectation that comes from the quickening power of God's word in our spirit man. I saw that and I was like, that is good. And I'm going to say it again. Faith is the substance of an intense, positive expectation that comes from the quickening power of God's word in our spirit man. I know there's times that we all feel like our faith has been tested. Maybe we're being tested now. Uh, I know I have been feeling like I've been tested the last couple of weeks because of the things that's been happening in my physical body. But it seemed like at the moment, everything that was happening in my physical body began to just be louder than everything else going on. My focus was immediately on my pain. Everything that was going on in me, that, that captured my focus and it took me out of the, the spiritual realm. And so I, I began looking, what is wrong with me? I began looking on the internet, trying to self-diagnose myself and all this stuff. And so when I started doing that, then I got into fear. So the pain in my, my head and in my face and everything I was getting, I'm like, oh, it could be a tumor, it could be this. And I was like, no, it can't be a tumor. After I said it, no, it's not a tumor, you know? But see how fear Because when our bodies are in pain and everything that we're going through, whether it's financial, things with our families, just junk, we can get so captured with what we're going through that we really, that becomes our primary focus and we forget about God in the picture because he's going to walk us through those things. And so we just have have to have the faith and the trust that he's with us and he will bring us through. So we got to let faith rise up in our spirit, man. It has to take that rightful position where it should be. (laughs) My faith needs to rise up, be in the position in the level where it's at, and I have to get my attention back on the one who created me, and he's the one that knows every detail of my body. 
And that's where my focus had to get to. And I did. It was, I had one of those moments and I said, okay. And I said, and I, I am tired of going to the pills. I'm not saying don't take your medicine, but it was like I, at that point, was tired of taking those pills. And I said, I am relying on you. And I, and I will say this, the day of the wedding, I did not have any pain for two days. Now, I have little twinges here, and it's like, I just say, you're, you're under the authority of God. And I'll tell you what, it's been less and less, but I'm standing, and I, and I know where my faith is. And my natural body has to submit, because my spirit man is foremost the person who is in charge of me. <laughs> not my natural man we've talked about reckoning that natural man dead and it's like you stay there <laughs> you stay there you are dead okay my spirit man is quickened it's alive i have the power that raised jesus from the dead it dwells it lives it abides within me and that's where i'm after that's what i believe and nothing is going to sway me from that faith knows the outcome before it manifests in the natural that's what faith is it knows the outcome just like that centurion he said go and i know he's going to be healed he knew just saying a word to jesus his outcome was going to be that servant was going to be healed that was faith working in him i heard um i think it may have been andrew womack i i kind of forgot as I was kind of studying. It says, anything that traps you in the realm of your senses can and will have dominion over you. Andrew Womack said, if sickness and pain can keep you in the sense realm, it destroys you. But if you deal with sickness and pain from the faith realm, you will destroy it. And I thought, that is so good. That is so good. So we need to make sure we're in the faith realm. Because so, we know that everything is under his feet. The, the healing is already ours. Everything that we need has already been done on the cross. Amen. Jesus already did it. And if we don't believe, it's almost like us saying, Jesus wasn't good enough. He is good enough, and we need to believe that he died for my health, for everything that I need, everything he's given me. It's already mine. It's already been done. We've each been given that measure of faith. And again, I'm, I don't want to talk about a lack of faith. I know a lot of people say, well, I, I, I need to pray. I have a lack of faith. Well, it's not really because we've all given, been given that measure of faith. We all have it. It's a matter of just activating what's already in us. Okay, it's believing what's in us is going to work because of him, you know. And so we have to activate what we already have. So hearing God and believing that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to the power, his power, 
working in us because with my power I can't do anything I notice the older I get I tell Barry he's like help me man I used to be able to lift up at mom's house they had an old fire hydrant and and it was funny because some of the guys couldn't lift it I'm like I can lift it I lifted that thing up there like look how strong you I don't think I could probably do that now <laughs> the older I get I notice I just can't lift those things like I used to my strength you know is 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 diminishing in the in the physical but that's we we can't let things have dominion over us all those natural things we got to be led by the spirit of god so faith isn't ignoring the circumstances that we're in it's trusting and resting and knowing that my god is greater and what i see in the natural doesn't have to determine my level of faith or even my loss of faith because I've already got what he has given me and it's just enough. Just like the Canaanite woman, she said, Lord, even in the master's house, the crumbs, that's all I need from you. The dogs eat the crumbs from the table. Just give me a crumb. She positioned herself in the master's house. That's what I loved about that story. She positioned her there. My spiritual vision is seeing the promises of God accomplished before my natural eyes see the results. That's huge. That's my spiritual vision. It's, it's knowing that it's been done. I'm already healed before it manifests in the natural. But I'll tell you what, we have to activate that. And we have to continue to believe that God's doing it. I mean, um, you know, sometimes we may walk a little slower, but I'll tell you what, there's times, I know we're counseling somebody, and they said, you know what, sometimes after prayer and I leave here, I can walk. I can, I can just do, see, that's the spirit of God. And, it, and it's like they know, you know, but then they might say, oh, but if this happens, okay, so once again, we're going into doubt, then maybe this will I won't be able to walk or I won't be. Okay, so see what we're doing. We're being presumptuous. We're positioning ourselves out of faith, thinking, oh, well, I know this always happens. Well, no, tell it no. It doesn't have to happen, <laughs> you know? So I love this saying, too. This is really, really good. So when we recognize the authority and the power that abides within us, we are a vessel that he can be used. We're a vessel that contains his power. And, it, and I love this. It says, I am not sick trying to get well. I am a person who's healed resisting sickness. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, that spoke to me, and that's been my heart all week long. I said, God, I am healed. Yeah, it's, it is. I am a person who is healed, resisting sickness. And I've had to tell myself that all week long. I am healed, and I am resisting every little natural pain that's, that's trying to come. I am healed, and I am resisting that. And you have to submit to the power of God that's in me. And it's like, body, you line up with the word of God because I am healed and you are not taking authority over my body 
God created it. He's the one that knows how, to, how it operates. He knows what isn't working. And I can trust that he's going to make it work the way it, it, if it's a new cells, you know, because we talk about the COVID fog and all this other stuff. And it's like, you know what, God? You can take every bit of residue from all that stuff and you can take it out of my body just like a vacuum cleaner. Just suck it out and I can walk in complete healing and health. But I have to believe that he can do it in me. So many times we have the faith to, to believe it for somebody else, but we don't have enough faith to believe it for ourselves. you know. And so we need to get to that place and recognize who is in us and know that he can do it for us. Matthew 10, 8, Jesus told his disciples, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Luke 9, 1 and 2 says, behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy, over all the powers of the devil, over all the powers of hell, every demonic spirit. Amen every demonic spirit anything that's coming at us jesus has all authority and we've got the authority because of jesus that we can say get thee behind me satan we can resist him and we can command him to flee with the authority that we carry how many people if we ask do you believe jesus was the son of god and i know a lot of People would ask people on the streets that, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? They'll say, yes. Do you believe that Jesus healed the sick and he did all that stuff in the Bible? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus still heals today? Well, sometimes. Do you believe that he can heal you? Well, I've been sick for a long time. The doctor says I have this and there's no hope. You know, so, so once again... It's, it's where is your faith? What are you believing for? If you believe you're never going to get well, then probably you're not going to get well. But there are people that have the gift of faith that can lay hands on the sick in spite of your faith, yeah. I believe can happen. And we need people like that in our lives. Because the, the disciples says, help my unbelief. Yeah. Jesus, help my unbelief. Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. He turned around and he addressed the crowd and he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So the centurion knew the power. He knew what Jesus carried. He knew that whatever response Jesus was going to, to give his, um, the elders and the people that he sent, it was enough, and he knew that that word was going to bring healing. He did not anticipate a no. He knew that his servant would be healed. He knew it at a distance, and that's why he marveled at his faith. Again, we talk about the different levels of faith that people had when they approached Jesus, like the men who had a sick person and they're like the crowds were they were in this okay we'll say it was in a church this room and they're like well we've got a sick friend we can't get him well let's come up with an idea let's vandalize the church and cut a hole in the roof and let's lower him down in front of jesus that's the kind of radical faith 
we need to have. You know, that they thought out of the box. Right. You know, we need to think out of the box. Mm -hmm. The centurion thought out of the box. He knew Jesus didn't have to come. Just say the word. Say the word from where you're at, wherever you are, wherever they find you. Just say it, and I know it's going to be done. That's radical faith. He knew the spoken word would bring a miracle at a distance. Verse 9 says that Jesus was amazed at his faith. The non-Jewish man believed Jesus, and he marveled at his great faith. The Greek word for marvel is thou madzo, and it's T-H-A-U-M-A-Z-O. And it means to marvel or to stand amazed. There's only two times in the New Testament where Jesus used this word. One is in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, and it's where Jesus marvels at the unbelief in Nazareth. That's his hometown where he couldn't even hardly do any great miracles. It says mighty. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid a hands on a few sick people and healed them. Because they kept saying, well, isn't this the Joseph the carpenter's son? Even his brothers and sisters didn't believe who he said he was. So our faith is basically, we need to make sure that we have faith because we can withhold miracles from happening in our own bodies if we don't believe. So he could not. Jesus could do anything, but it says he could not do many great miracles. Why? Because they didn't believe in him. It was their lack of faith. So if our lack of faith will keep miracles from happening in our lives, I want great faith. <laughs> you know? So I don't want I don't want little faith to keep God's um presence and his his uh, healing power to work through me in mark 9 1 or mark 9 19 the demon possessed boy was brought to the disciples and that's where they couldn't cast him out <laughs> and jesus he said i love this part he was he so addressed them again you know they, they sat there and they watched and and watched jesus do it and he kept letting them know you are going to do greater works and you're and then they can't do that and they're like okay and jesus says you unbelieving generation how long shall i stay with you so a lack of faith and unbelief can hinder the miracles that jesus wants to do in our life and through us and so jesus was the one that cast out the demon so this centurion was faithful <laughs> and that's my desire I think that's your desire. There's a kind of faith that we can have that actually amazes Jesus. I want him to look at me and say, I am amazed at the faith of Janice. I am amazed at the faith of Sharon. I am amazed at the faith of Rosemary and Barb. I'm amazed. I sit here amazed at their faith. So faith is in us, we have to activate what's already been given. 
Jesus prayed for Simon Peter. If we remember when he denied Jesus three times in Luke 22, 31 through 32, Jesus was speaking. And this, this was before this happened, so he was letting him know there was something that's going to take place. Simon didn't really fully understand, but he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So he was probably, of course, he's like, surely you are the son of God. You know, he was being tested so many times. So the enemy was always right there to cast doubt with him. And so to turn again means the repentance. So we know that after that rooster crowed, Peter whipped bitterly. There was true repentance from him, knowing that he denied Jesus. Circumstances can take a toll on our faith. We can become weary in the battle. How many of us have felt like we have been in a battle that's lasted a very, very long time? And, you know, we go through times that things seem so difficult. Um, you know, we wish that everything was just roses, you know. But there, there are trying times that we go through. And, you know, life happens. Um, we can get attacked uh, physically, the enemy wants to really uh, steal our joy, steal our peace, uh, even with everything that's going on in our, our world right now and, and everything that, that's happening and our president and his state, you know, and how troublesome that is, you know, for us. So there's so much that can come in, but what are we being tuned into? Because we can turn our focus and our attention on those things. And then we can begin doubting. God, where are you? <laughs> How many times have we said that in our prayers? God, we need you. Have you not seen how bad America is right now? You know? <clears throat> the God who created this earth has brought us through these things. We, we can remember times in our life where uh, we can say, yes, I went through this and God brought me through it. And you know, without God, you wouldn't have been able to make it. And so then when we get hit again, sometimes we get discouraged. We need to remember where he brought us in the past. He's faithful to do it again, Amen. no matter what we're going through. Everything that I do, I'm going to put my hope, I'm going to put my trust in the one who holds all the authority. I may not know how God is going to do this for me, but I know he's able. I know he's going to provide. I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I know, Jesus, you're working it all together for my good. Amen. <laughs> I don't care what the news says. It says, I know that God says not to be anxious for nothing. And I'm not going to let all this negativity of even people that come into our lives steal my joy Amen. or affect my peace. I'm going to rejoice. Amen. I'm going to sing. If you, if you want to be have peace, sing. Turn on worship music. I'll tell you what, it takes you to that place. 
you go up to those high places and you're soaring because the Bible says that we are to soar above those things like eagle's wings. And I'll tell you what, when we get to that spiritual realm and we're activating our natural man and we're in the spirit, nothing matters because our hope and our faith and our trust is in him. And we know that he's faithful and he's going to carry us through. I know the God who delivered Daniel from the lion's den can protect me. <laughs> and when the enemy seems to be chasing me, I know a God that can separate the waters and he will drown all those who are in pursuit of me. I want faith that's going to amaze God. If you want to do um, a study on faith, you want to learn more about faith, do, do a study. Uh, there's a lot of stories in the Bible. Uh, Hebrews 11 is uh, known as the heroes of faith. It lists all the people, Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, Gideon. I mean, it lists all these great heroes of faith. Faith, I heard this from, um, I think it was Andrew, is it, uh, what, um, the guy that we went and saw in Lance Winnell. Lance Winnell, uh, I heard this the other day, and I thought, oh, that was, that was good. I'm going to write this down. He was, he was comparing. He said, faith is almost a, it needs to be told what to do. So, so kind of like the centurion told the, the Jewish leaders what he wanted them to do. It's almost like we need to, to recognize the faith that's in us, and we need to tell the faith what to do. So, the, so he told them to go, and so we need to say, Faith, I release you. I need you to bring forth that healing in my body that I need. Faith, I need you to go out, and I want you to bring the storehouses of heaven I, so I lack nothing. So it's like we want to command. I know that Patty... We'll command the angels. We need to command our faith to rise up and to go and to so we can receive what God has for us. So it's like we need it to command it to go forth and it needs to complete the assignment that it's given. So if you need something, you need to say, go forth and complete that assignment. Because it's mine. Jesus did it for me. Complete the assignment. Complete that assignment. I'm asking you to complete it. It's mine. I declare it over this person, that person, over my life. Complete the assignment. Because I know my God can do it. Joshua. I remembered the story, and it had been a long time, and it was just a great refresher. Joshua. He commanded the sun and the moon to stand still when he was in that battle. And he needed more light because the, the shadow was coming. And he's like, I need more light. He just spoke it. He said, sun and moon stand still. The rotation of the earth. So we know that the sun and, and the moon doesn't move. The earth does. So the rotation of the earth going around the sun stopped. Joshua knew he needed more light to win the battle. He knew the power of God. He knew he, he was fighting for him. 
He wasn't alone in the battle. And he thought, you know what? There is nothing that my God can't do. I'm going to command the sun and the moon to stay so that I can have more light. Did he think out of the box? Wow. How many of us can sit here and say, I can command the sun to shine? I mean, think about that. He said, I believe it. Sun and moon stand still. And it did. Wow. What faith. Asking God for the impossible? Think about that. That was an impossible thought that he had. We know that with Jesus, the wind and the waves and everything obeys him. Can I do that? <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. Who would have thought? You know, but Joshua did. There's nothing that our God won't do. We hold the same authority. We have the power of God that's in our life through the Holy Spirit because it dwells in us. It abides within us. And God honors our requests when we are asking in faith. Faith moves the hand of God. Because we know in Hebrews eleven six 6, it says, Without faith. It's impossible to please him. So you and I have been given everything that we need. Our arsenal is full. <laughs> He's given us all that we need. And no matter what we're facing, I know that God's ability to intervene and to bring it about for my good, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. No matter what we're facing, no matter what is coming, no matter what storm around us, is trying to close in on us. Jesus was in the boat, sleeping. The boat was filling up with water. Jesus was in such a place of peace. I mean, if there's water hitting me, I'm going to usually wake up. And they're like, Jesus, we're going to (laughs) die. Jesus was at such a place of rest because he told them ahead of time, he said, go to the other side. Think about that. They were already going to reach the other side. They weren't going to drown in the middle, you know. So their faith began to waver when they got their attention and their eyes off of um, Jesus. Jesus was already in it. He's going through this with them. He was not going to fail them. They were not going to die. He was waiting for them to, to do the authority that they had and say, command the storm like Joshua. Be still. But they didn't have the faith to believe that for themselves. And so Jesus, once again, spoke with his words and said, Winds, obey me. Peace, be still. And so they were able to finally see that. And that's why Jesus says, Greater works than these are you, that you're going to do. I just want you to get it. I want you to grasp it. This is yours. It's for the taking. You can do this. Believe in me that I can do this in you. That's why we keep talking about believe who you are in Christ. We've really got to believe that God can do this through us. I can believe I'm a child of God, but if I don't believe he can work through me. There are so many gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, so many things that we, he has instilled within us as gifts 
kind of, I heard that Matthew said something about the teddy bear and he's got a bigger gift for you. I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but that's what he wants to give us. We just got to receive what he has, Amen. you know, and, and I don't know why we get to that place where we just believe that voice of the doubt that comes in our mind and we don't believe or have the confidence in ourselves. And it's not prideful. You know, we're not prideful, but we know with whom our confidence is, and that's in Jesus and what he's already done for us. He is the God of the impossible. I have faith to declare healing for everyone I come in contact with that needs prayer. I have the faith and the gift of healing. Pray for that. That's what I've been praying for. God, I want to be able to lay hands on the sick if they've got cancer, and, and pray that prayer of faith, and I know when they go to the doctor, it's gone. They're healed. They're healed. Sharon and I have talked about um, self-talk. <laughs> Sometimes we need to do some self-talk. Mm -hmm. We need to tell ourselves. We need to tell our spirit man to rise up. We need to tell our, our nature to say, Get, get down, Amen. die, because Amen. I am walking by the Spirit of God. Amen. And I know with whom I believe. And he is more than able to do all that I ask, all that I think. It's been given to us. Many times I have prayed, even with all the physical stuff, I, I did say the prayer, I said, God, help my unbelief. If I've had unbelief come in here, I mean, how many, how many times do we sit there and if we have a headache, our first response is to go get the two extra strength Tylenol out of the cabinet. That's become more natural than to sit and say, oh, I have a headache. God, I thank you. You are the answer to this headache. It's already under the blood of God. We, everything else has become more natural to us than operating in the, spirit, the supernatural of what's already been given to us. We've got to stop that. And I am guilty. I am guilty of that. And it's like, now it's like when I start to go, I'm like, wait a minute. Have I prayed about this? And it's like, God, I don't want to take all this medication when I know that you are more than able to heal and deliver me. And so I'm going to try and get myself out of the natural realm, and I'm going to see myself in the spiritual realm. And don't get off your medication unless you know that you know that you know you don't have to take it. I'm not saying, because I don't know where your faith is. So if your faith's not there and you stop taking your medicine, ugh, don't take that chance, okay? You have to know that you know. Because I know Sharon had talked about that time when she had that, um, supposedly they said it was cancer on her lip. She, she told the doctor, no. No. And she knew that she knew that was not cancer. And, of course, then they went in and, like, well, we have to do a biopsy. And, and it was like it was disappearing. It was getting smaller or something. Well, I just knew it wasn't there yeah. and it didn't grow. Yeah. And so after they did the surgery, <clears throat> he said, well, I'm sorry. It just doesn't work that way because I, I said, I don't think I need the surgery. And he said, once that's been diagnosed, he said, it's in there. So I go through the process. I had that removed. And... Uh, they, they actually had this long, very, very slim needle that they went up in all these different places in my cheek and my face to determine that I still had cancer. 
It wasn't there. Yeah, and, and she she told me she go I knew that I knew. And guess what? She did not accept that word that they spoke over her. Mm-hmm. And we do. We have to make sure that whatever is spoken over us doesn't affect us. Because by the Spirit of God, we're not going to be affected by those things. If we're walking in the Spirit and we live in the Spirit, it's just kind of mm-hmm. like Smith Wigglesworth. Um, Barry had talked about it one Sunday. He says, devil came in his room and he turned over and goes, oh, it's just you. And went and turned back around. That's what we need to get to. Oh, it's just you. He, he can't do anything to him. He didn't, you're, you're just, go away. Go away. You know, I'm not, I'm not even going to give you the time of day. I'm not going to talk to you. Don't believe the bad diagnosis. Don't accept any words that's spoken over you. Because I know even when, with children, when people say, oh, you're so stupid. That, that, that's a wound. It, and it gets in their spirit. Mm-hmm. So anything that someone says, and we have to be careful of our words over other people too. You know, because we can take on offenses and then we can say these things and then it's out there. And, and then it gets, you know, gets back and then they're wounded. And nah, they ever, We have a church full of hurting people. Mm-hmm. And they are searching. Some people are just staying home now. Because they're like, I'm not going to beckon my, I'm not going to go to church. I've been hurt by the church. You know, we, we've got to be careful as a church that we need to love each other. We need to speak life. We need to speak love over everyone that we come into contact with. Give them the word of God. We are Jesus. I want to be a representation of Jesus. I want them to see Jesus in me. I want to be able to operate like Jesus wants me to operate. I don't want to be a counterfeit. I don't want to be a bad representation of him. I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect. We're not perfect. We will all make mistakes. But God knows our hearts. People will know our hearts because if we're motivated out of love, then we're not going to do or say things that's going to hurt other people. So we need to ask God to allow our faith to rise up. we got to declare we have to believe those things that we want to manifest in our life. And we've got to know by the Spirit of God, we've got to have faith to see it. We have to see those things in the spiritual realm, even though we don't see it in the natural. But we know in the spirit it's going to manifest in the natural. That's the key, too. I can see it by the spirit. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It's going to happen. It will happen. And so we have to do that. We have to make sure that that faith, because it is already deposited in our hearts, because it says, first, a man believes within his heart And he believes the word of God. We believe who Jesus says he is. And Jesus said, Whoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, it shall be done. We'll have whatsoever we ask for. That's Mark 11, 23. So I refuse to limit God's ability in me. We have to get to that place. I don't want to limit God. I want him to use me. There, I am limitless. God, however you want to use me, use me. 
He's given us the authority. He's given us that position of authority. And we have to take it. We want to see those things in the spiritual realm manifested in the natural felt in the natural realm. And we need to see it as completed. It's done. Just like Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It's done. He paid it all. Every stripe, everything that was done, it's done. It's finished. So stop bringing up the what ifs. Yeah. Or he can't. We got to stop that because he said it's finished. It's done. We have to believe the impossible mm -hmm. because God can make the impossible possible. The word of God, it's living, it's breathing, it's inside of you. And we have to believe that nothing is impossible with our God. We have to trust him. We have to know that my faith is going to stand the course of everything that's going on in my life. I am not going to be shaken. And the Bible says, having done all, stand. We have to be in a place of peace, trusting that God is going to take us through those times in our life where we feel most alone, we feel like maybe we can't get out of, but he's going to be there. Our, my faith says he has not left me alone. He's with me. He said he'd never forsake me. Hebrews says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any way fail you or leave you without support. I will not even relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. My favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Because it just tells me, I will not, I will not, I will not. Sometimes we need to know that. Say it over and over. I will not fail you, Janice. I will not fail you. I'm not going to give you no support. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to make a way in the wilderness where there seems to be no way. I'm going to make a way. The Israelites, there was water in front of them. God parted that water. He made a way, and the enemies that were pursuing them drowned. So anything that's pursuing us, we have to know that God is going to take care of. We just got to keep moving forward because if we stop, we have to move. Faith is action. We can't just stop. We have to say no because my natural man will say stop, give up. And when we stop, we want to sit. And when we want to sit, we want to lay down. When we lay down, then we get depressed. So everything, we got to just keep moving. It's better for us. Physically in our bodies, keep moving. My Apple Watch says, stand, it's time to stand. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Keep moving forward, trusting God, because you're going to make it. And the faith that's in all of us, we have to activate it. I have a, a shirt that I bought in Cayman Islands or somewhere. It says, Holy Spirit, activate. I love that shirt. And it's like, activate. Activate it in me. Let it be known to me. Because so many times we have to know when God's working in us. And we do. When God's given us a word and, we know, and he's leading us and he's guiding us, we know that it's him. I want to live that way. I don't want to ever doubt God in my life. I don't ever want to doubt how he's going to use me. I want to have the faith to believe that, you know what? Nothing is impossible. 
And that's where my faith is. I want faith that amazes Jesus. That's what we all desire, to have the faith that amazes God. Think out of the box. Think out of the box. He will do it. Put our faith into action. So that's it.